Holly G with the Golf Insiders for this edition of Tour Talk. It's back at Quail Hollow Club in beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina, the Wells Fargo Championship. And we are going to check in with Bob Herrick from SI.com in the press room. Good morning, Bob. Hey, how are you today? Uh, we'll talk about the tournament in just a minute, but wanted to get your thoughts on Tony Finau's big win against his buddy, actually, his practice partner in world number one, John Rahm, on Sunday at the Mexico Open. Yeah, look, you know, all of a sudden Tony Finau's racking up a bunch of wins. You know, it's his fourth win in 18 starts after, you know, such a long period of, of not putting up the victories. Um, you know, he had had two wins before the 3M Open last year, which was determined right after the British Open. So in, what, nine months, eight, nine months, 18 events, he's won four times, um, pushed his victory total to six, you know, knocking on the door of the top ten in the world again. And, uh, you know, I think sort of just doing the things we expected. You know, I think we expected we expect him to win, and he uh, – he got himself in a good position in Mexico and pushed through it. So, you know, I think the next thing is, is how we'll do uh, in the majors this year. You know, he's he's been around the, the fringes in the majors at times. And, um, you know, we'll see if he can start racking up a couple more. Ten or 15 tournaments out here. And uh, I, th- I think that's very, very doable for Tony Pino. He went out and played uh, the par three course after his win with his kids. You got to love it. He's... He's just this steady Eddie that, you know, been been grinding away just consistently and now just to, to break through and, and win a big major. Yeah, you know, we asked him about that this week, and he said that he had been doing that every night there. Um, at, at, and he said he, he talked about how, like, he kind of played a lot of night golf himself when he was growing up, and he thinks it's a great way to expose it. He really loves playing with his boys and, and, uh, yeah, you know, it's pretty cool. It's, he had some really, really good comments about that, really neat comments. And um, so and even after the win, you know, you'd think, okay, you know, maybe going out to dinner. Or, you know, he went, went out to the part three course and, and was, was knocking it around. So good for him. You know, I think that was pretty neat. Well, his wife uh, spoke to Amanda Renner on Saturday uh, on the golf course and, you know, said something about, they were talking about that, and, and she said, you know, Tony knows how to leave uh, the business at the golf course. And I thought that was an interesting comment. I think that was a great example. But it really takes something with the amount of practice and to just be able to segment his time and be able to play at the highest level. No question. Um, I, I think it's I think it's pretty hard to, to separate sometimes, especially – uh, when you're traveling, and you know it's it's a game that requires a lot of a lot of time. You know, you got to practice. You got to get mentally prepared. It's long days. You know, it's you know, look, other sports have their issues too. But you know, look, an NBA game is two hours. Right. right. I know you're physically spent after, but you know, for for golfers, you know, it, it, I'm not talking about so much the physical part, but just the time commitment. You know, like. For, for 10 a.m. tea time, you're going to be at the course at 9, at, at the latest. You had to have probably gotten up 
has gotten, you know, stretched out and conditioning, have make sure you eat properly. They're inside to, you know, warm up. It takes five hours to play, three o'clock. You might want to work on something afterward and on your game. So now it's four o'clock. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to compare it to like people who have really, you know, stressful jobs and everything, but it's, it's a long way. And then you have to do it again the next day. Uh, and so the fact that he likes having his family there with him, I think is really cool. I'm not sure that would work for everybody, but it works for him. And, um, and he's, uh, he's taking advantage of it. Speaking of it being the job, defending champion Max Homa had some fun comments in the press conference on Tuesday, Bob, talking about how he loved golf when he was a young kid. We can all relate to that. And then just how it's now evolved into, you know, his job and the the practice and the amount of time you, you dedicate. Tell me more about what Max had to say. Yeah, look, I think he's got really good perspective on things. He's a very good spokesman, uh, very good um, guy to get perspective about. Um, and, look, it's not going to be the same for all, but, you know, he's juggling now. He's got a, a young kid at home and, um, you know, trying to deal with the parenting and then the travel of professional golf. And, you know, when you come home, do you practice? Do you put her away? I just think he's got some good, some you know, good a good look at all of that stuff, and he's he, he he's he's an interesting guy in that he struggled for a while. You know, he was on yes. the outside looking in for a long time. Now, look, it was this tournament that he won. Uh, what was it, 2019? I think. You yes. know, that he sort of broke through, and you know, now he's considered one of the top players. You know, he's won a bunch of times. He's been up there. He's closed the deal. He's he's sort of experienced the limelight as a player and not just as a good player, not just as a social media guy. And But yet, you know, he's got his things too. He's not really done much in the majors, and now that's a frustration. He's trying to push through on that end. You know, he's trying to trying to step up uh, at, that, at that level. So there's always something in golf, you know. It's just never – it's never simple. Yeah, and he is uh, probably – considered one of the nicest, relatable guys out there. And it probably is because of social media. And, uh, you know, these guys just share so much more. You, having followed Tiger, you were used to those one or two-word answers or a glaring stare back in his day. You know, these guys are so refreshingly authentic. They are. Uh, and I think uh, it helps. Yeah, to get let in a little bit. I mean, I don't think we need to know all their personal goings-on, certainly. I think it's kind of nice to have uh, just a, a little insight. You know, them humanizing themselves a little bit more is not a bad thing. Do you you think know, they're, they're just like us in, in a lot of ways. They have, you know, they have their ups and downs personally. They have their aches and pains. They get in traffic, you know. They, right. They, they they get in lines at the airport sometimes. They, they just have they have the same stuff that we go through. And uh, like I thought it was fun the other day to hear Justin Thomas talk about this diet that he's on. He's, he had a couple of health issues that the doctor put him on a strict diet. He talked about how badly he's just killing to eat a pizza right now, but he can't. Right. You know, I mean, like that's that's kind of a real world issue, right? Is those of us who are who who you know are out there all the time wondering about trying to lose weight or 
improve their diet. I think we can all relate to that. More on that topic, uh, Rory McIlroy took a couple of weeks off, which he said for a private matter, a couple of weeks for just his his mental health and um, given all that he was put through over the last 12 months, you know, just some rest. Look, he uh, he talked to a bunch of us last night. Um, went to a function where he was made available in Charlotte, and and um, you know he addressed some of these things. And and while I thought it was not a great look for him to miss Hilton Head, given his stature and how much he pushed for these designated events, and I thought it was not good for him to say something, even just a statement at the time. Um, and the tour didn't help either by not saying anything. But, you know, that, that, that's separate. You know, they, they just think that they, they, the way that was all handled wasn't great. But, look, he came clean. When he, when, he did, when he did have the chance to speak, he explained it. You know, he was not in a good place. Obviously, incredibly disappointed that he missed the cut at the Masters. I mean, he's put a lot of pressure on himself to win that. We all think that Roy should have a green jacket. You know, it's just seemingly made for him of all the majors. You know, that would have, you'd have thought would be the first one he'd win. And he hasn't won it. Right. You know, and he's, he, you know, he really hasn't had as good of a chance to win it since really the first time he was in contention was in 2011 when he, when he shot 80 in the final round and he had like a, you know, a lead on the 10th tee and just, you know, imploded. You know, but, 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 but while everybody thought it was not going to be an issue, it was because he bounced back and won the very next major of the U.S. Open by a lot. You know, he won the PGA the next year. He won two majors in 2014. He did have some decent finishes at the Masters, but really since he's had a chance to co- complete the career Grand Slam, I believe I'm correcting these numbers. In the nine opening rounds of the Masters, he's only shot the 60s once. He's wow. always behind. You know, he shot 72 this year. He found himself seven back. He goes out on Friday. Now you're pushing, and he ends up missing the cut. And it was incredibly disappointing. I mean, it was really, really a, a, a bummer for him. And then, you know, look, all you have to do is say what he said. Like, I knew the consequences of my actions. You know, um, the, the, the belief is, is that he's going to miss out on, on the 25% PIP bonus, which is for him is $3 million. Um, you know, that's probably like $30 to you and me. Smarts, but it's no big deal in the overall scheme of things. Right. But, you know, but, but it's, it's, it's still, you know, a fairly significant hit. And, 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 you know, where I would defend him is if you're not in the right place to play, why go through the motions? He's only, he'd only played Hilton Head twice. It's clearly a golf course that doesn't suit him. But that's another side issue this whole designated event thing. It's a set courses, and some of them aren't going to suit guys. So some some of these guys are now, you know, feeling they have to play at places where they don't really like to play. You know, it's, it's you know, like there's plenty of people that Bay Hill doesn't suit their game. You know, and and so that's why they don't go. It's not that they don't like the tournament or anything. You know, guys, learn learn where you know. Why would you go to a place if it's not if it doesn't suit you? Bay Hill is a long, difficult golf course, a lot of rough. And some guys it just doesn't suit. You know, and I, I think this week at Quail Hollow is another example. You know, there's uh, John Rahm is not here. Now, he played last week. He wants to get ready for the PGA. But, I mean, I think the truth is, is this is just a golf course he's probably just not that keen on. 
they, it's, and that's, that happens with everybody. So, uh, so he decided to skip, and I, I, I get that. But, you know, he, had, he hadn't skipped any. And this year you're required to play them all but one. Next year they don't have to play them. Uh, they don't have to play any, frankly. I mean, of course, they'd be silly not to with the purses and the points and everything. No cuts. But next year you'll see some guys skip some big tournaments because it just doesn't fit into their schedule or they don't like the course. Well, this is a place Rory is very comfortable at. He's played Wells Fargo 11 times, recording three wins and six top ten finishes. So uh, certainly a good place to reset after, you know, that taxing 12 months mentally. Uh, Who could blame him for needing to just uh, get away from it all? Exactly. I mean, the bottom line is, is that's his choice, his decision. Um, I just think what he did was he set himself up for a lot of criticism. Um, he, he, he and Tiger were the leaders of this this push to get these designated events done for this year to increase purses, to, to bring the top players together. For the most part, it's been very successful. But then you skip the very first one in Hawaii, which... You know, I think people are willing to give him a pass on that. But, you know, again, he was the only one who did. And then you become the first one to skip the second one and, and put the bonus money in danger. You know, it was just probably not a good look. And, and it would have been better to just explain it that week. You know, if they come out with a statement, if the tour comes out and says yeah, officially, yes, he's not going to get his bonus, these are the rules, and Rory comes out and says, look, I know the consequences. I've got some things I want to deal with, blah, blah, blah. I think everybody's fine with it. You know, it's okay. You know, but they didn't say anything. The tour has yet to say anything publicly about it, which I think is not a good look either. You know, so it, because what it does is it leads to conjecture that they're going to give them the money anyway. And I don't think, you know, if, if they're going to do that, well, then they are playing favorites. You know, and and uh, that's and of course, how how are we ever going to know? Right. <laughs> you know, I don't, right. I don't think Roy. I don't think Roy's going to tell us, and I don't think you know. I don't think, and, and I don't know. Maybe the tour will will tell us they're, they're not going to pay him officially. We'll see. Well, for the yeoman's job he did in carrying the tour last year, I don't think too many players would be against him getting. <laughs> A little bonus for all that hard work. But you mentioned Tiger Woods, and the other big news is that uh, his his longtime caddy, Joe LaCava, uh, is going to loop full-time for Patrick Cantley, Bob. What's the scoop on that? Yeah, yeah, I had a chance to talk to Joe after his practice round on Tuesday with Cantley, and, and you know, he made it very clear that, that um, you know, it wasn't an easy phone call to make to Tiger. But him and Tiger had discussed this possibility in the past. If an opportunity came along, that that he should consider it, and they talked about it. And it sounds like Tiger said, "You you know, you'd be silly to not do this." And look, you know, how, Tiger is pretty much done. He was only going to play two or three times the rest of the year anyway, four maybe. And you know, Joe's 59 years old, and he's had a long run out here, and obviously he's had a lot of success. He's made a lot of money with Tiger, but I don't think Tiger, even if Tiger had him on retainer, which we would all believe he did, I don't think that's the kind of money he could be making catting for a guy like Pat, Patrick Cantlay. You know, I mean, he's the fourth-ranked player in the world. He's going to make four or five million dollars this year. I mean, you, 
you win a tournament on tour these days, the caddy is getting a hundred thousand dollars. You know, I mean, there's 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 the opportunity for a caddy to make you know two, three, four hundred thousand dollars caddying for these guys. I you know I think that's part of it. He didn't make that a big part of it. It was it was more about look, I, I miss it. I want to work. I want to get out there. And um, and so you know, it also kind of is the harsh reality that. You know, Tiger's just not going to play much. And uh, we don't know what's going to come with this latest surgery and how much he's going to be able to go. Certainly in the short term, he's not going to be playing anytime soon. And we have no idea how, how he's going to be physically after this. He turns 48 in December. Uh, that's two years out. What What are your thoughts? Will he play Champions Tour? Will, you know, will he be on. able to, even with a car? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the, I think that's the first question. My, my understanding of this surgery is it's going to give him stability in the ankle and the foot that he's, that he's lacking now. And it's going to take away a lot of pain, but it's going to take away a lot of flexibility, too. So if it were the left leg, I think it would end his career. But because it's the right, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's not great, but it's not career-ending. You know, and he's just going to have to get used to it. Um, he's been sort of swinging on off of one leg anyway. If it takes away the pain, if it helps him walk better, you know, in a quality of life, those things will, will help with the golf. Because let's be honest, when you're out there walking and it's throbbing like it has to be, it's just got to be so difficult, especially as those last holes come along. So, uh, in any case, um, uh, you know, I think it will probably help that cause. And, you know, all these guys throughout their careers, Jack Arnold, uh, you know, I'm not going to play past 40. They all did. You know, Tiger has, you know, all, you know, I think 20 years ago, 10 years ago, Tiger would have said, I'm never going to play Champions Tour golf. I think now that it's closer, you know, they, they, they have the itch. And, and let's be honest, too, from a, from a financial standpoint, it's not the money on the Champions Tour, it's the brand. It keeps his name out there. You know, it keeps his endorsements going. Um, boy, would that be a huge... Can you imagine the first Champions Tour event he plays? Oh, my. It'll be like, a, it, it'll be like Phoenix. Oh, You know, he'll I mean, be off the charts. I mean, so... And, and, and it helps him with the sponsors. And, you know, look, he has a design business. And let's you know, face it, Bob, he still loves to compete. Sure, that's what drives it. Those guys and and uh, and and you know, in a weird way, look. Let's say everything else about his game remains intact. By all accounts, his game is really good. He just can't walk. But let's say he's able to walk better. All right. Well, if he can play some Champions Tour events in a golf cart where he can be working on his game, but not putting his body through the stress of walking. Doesn't that help his ability if he does then, you know, go play the Masters? This is so far out in, in advance and, and, and almost crazy to talk about. But let's say, you know, he plays two, let's say he tries to play Riviera, which is his tournament, and maybe two Champions Tour events before the Masters. He had four rounds before the Masters this year. If he did that in, a, in, in say, you know, in two years' time, whenever he's eligible, Okay, well, now you've got, what, that's that's 10 rounds. You know, that's a big difference. You're competing, you're inside the ropes, your heart's beating, you're having, you know, you, you get the jitters, um, and, and yet it's not the same wear and tear. Right. As it is if you played 10 rounds on the PGA Tour. 
So, you, got- you know, in some weird sort of way, I mean, if Phil could win a major at 50, why can't Tiger if he's healthy? That's the way I would be looking at it. That might be a carrot in front of his eyes, Bob. Might be a story idea. I think I may maybe just gave myself one. <laughs> <laughs> we love we love when we break those good ideas here on the Golf Insiders. All right, it's time to throw your dart. Who are you picking to win the Wells Fargo Championship Sunday? I'm going to go with Victor Hovland. How about that? I think it's about time he won. So. All right. Well, that's uh that's one I didn't see coming. As always, we appreciate your time, Bob Herrick from SI.com.